You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Welcome back to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. I'm one of your hosts, Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. My co-host, Jonathan, is off this week. Joining me in his stead is my good friend, Marlon. He and I will be discussing and reviewing the first three installments of Star Wars Visions. Marlon and I have been waiting with so much anticipation, really, for the release of Visions. And to witness a crossover between anime and Star Wars has been, like, without exaggeration, freaking amazing. Um, I'm also really eager for the traditional Star Wars fan to take this as a bit of an introduction into anime. Uh, and at the very least, to come away with more appreciation and understanding about Japanese animation. Uh, so, before we get to talking more about Visions, let me actually uh, throw it to you, Marlon. Uh, welcome. Uh, would you just give yourself a brief introduction to the audience and tell us about your background? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've, I don't... Consider myself to be any more of a authority on things like an- on anime uh, than the average uh, enjoyer. I'd consider myself more of a purveyor of all things geek culture. I uh, got introduced to Star Wars at a fairly <laughs> early age. One of my earliest memories was watching uh, Episode Three in theater, but I was a little bit, you know, too young to really even understand what was going on at the time. I was like nine or ten or something. <laughs> uh, I was a senior. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So you're 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 a fair bit older than I am. That's that, that's that's fair. okay. That's okay. That's 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 a lot of our audience there. That's a great memory. Um, so general geek purveyor of geek things is that is that accurate? Okay, all right. Um, and tell me some of your anime knowledge, like. Uh, or as far as anime, have you seen you know some of the big things that come to mind? Right. So I, much like most kids uh, of my generation, we got introduced to anime through uh, Toonami, uh, which means, of course, Dragon yes. Ball Z was the thing that all you know got us uh, got us hooked on that sort of thing. Not to mention Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, there was always this obvious divide between the. Uh, the sort of the Western-made cartoons that were made for Saturday mornings. Uh, that's where you get your your Mar- your old Marvel cartoons, your old DC cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the stuff that was clearly localized. That's where you get your Pokemon anime, your Yu-Gi-Oh anime. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, and even some of the early like Dragon Ball Z stuff, the Ocean dub of it anyway was the. I think that was up in Canada, Ocean Studios. Yes. Yeah. But um. So, but not quite as localized as as the Digimon, Pokemon. Right, right, right. Well, yeah. So, like thank, <laughs> so thankfully, uh, Dragon Ball Z was a little less butchered by the uh, localization process uh, at the time. Right, right. Well, mine is kind of similar to yours, um, and I still am a major lover of anime. And uh, of course, Dragon Ball Z is one of those lifetime things you're committed to. Um, big into my hero i know you actually helped get me into my hero act. yes i and, will say and- i watched my hero from season one episode one i got on there before everybody started <laughs> watching it halfway through season two yeah i will admit you were you are definitely not lying about that you're big from the beginning and i love how much horikoshi is a huge like star wars nut crazy nut like naming stuff like kamino is in there i mean all of this stuff he's he's just He's obsessed, and I love it because it shows in all the good ways. Um, 
And really, I think a lot of the Japanese animators and the studios here, even when you've seen some of like the background stuff, there's so much respect. There's so much love for Star Wars. And that comes across really thoroughly in these first three episodes, really in the whole thing. But um, what we'll talk about today, these first three. Um, so any other like any other like anime stuff that you've... Have you had any experience with maybe um, Trigger Studios? or Right. The, so the so we're looking at three different animation studios uh, for the first three three episodes of Star Wars Visions, and of course, everyone, I mean, of the three studios that we're looking at, uh, Trigger is definitely the big one. Um, right. And the, They're not that old. No, they're, they're not yeah. that old. They were made for, uh, the the guys who were behind uh, got Studio Gainax's Gurren Lagann went on to uh, create Trigger, and they were responsible. Uh, pretty much everyone knows them for Kill a Kill. Kill a kill, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and some of the other stuff I haven't quite watched as thoroughly, but right. Um, well, they kill they kill made Darling in the Franks, uh, Little Witch Academia, uh, Little Witch Academia. I remember uh, the video game sphere got really excited when they did the opening movie for the latest uh, Shantae uh, game, and it's only wow. about thirty seconds long, but it's probably about the thirty like thirty seconds of some of the cleanest animation you'll ever see. <sighs> Man, well, it's they get all their time. They can spend it all in this intro or outro, you know. Um, so the trigger, the win, they actually did two episodes. Um, only one of them today we're going to speak about, right. but that, uh, that was the third episode, the twins. Um, the other production studios we have is um, one of them, Kamikaze Duga, right? Or Duga, Kamikaze and Doga uh, made Doga. I know that. And all I know is basically they've done some JoJo intros. Yeah, they did some. They did a few. They did the <laughs> first three parts of JoJo. Uh, they did those intros. They also did uh, the Batman Ninja movie. Yeah. Uh, okay, they've I also done cutscenes for a few video games: uh, the old Breath of Fire, Castlevania: Portrait of Ruin, uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, Do- uh, and Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, among others. Um, and I've played uh, this was I've played all those. This was quite a bit different from any of those, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I've played all those, and yes, it is uh, very different uh, from all those. But uh, unlike Trigger, uh, Kamikaze Doga has been around much longer, uh, mm. and it's still kind of like a somewhere in between, like a half studio. I, I hear that they do a lot of the 3D and 2D mixing stuff. Yeah, and you'll see so. that in this uh, in this episode one for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know anything uh, really to say about Studio uh, Colorado. Yeah. It's, so Colorado. So so Studio Colorado. I'd never seen any of their work except for uh, their work on. They did a few episodes of Pokemon Twilight Wings, uh, which makes sense when you see the yeah. Well, when you see the artwork that they've done yeah. for this episode, it very clearly comes across as okay. The the. These guys, these guys <laughs> definitely would have worked on Pokemon. If not, it would have made sense uh, for the Pokemon company to, to reach out. Um, and yeah, honestly, yeah. The, 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 I mean, you look uh, the character models are smaller, and they got the big heads. Everybody looks like children. It's an it's it was it was a stylistic choice that took me a little while to to reconcile. Um, really? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest that. That episode, we're gonna when we talk about it, we'll we'll get into it. But that episode has has been controversial amongst fans. But um, anyway, I uh, I appreciate this talk about these studios because um, <clears throat> while while we do have some great studios, it's interesting to note that they didn't bring in like 
a huge, huge name, huge name studio. Like Trigger's probably one of the bigger name studios that they brought in, and Trigger is is pretty pretty good studio, but it is not like a, right. A, it's a not Toho. Place. It's not Toei. Yeah. It's not yeah. I mean yeah. Toei Animation is not here making this, but um, yeah. I mean yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, because of that, it makes me think and hope that in the future we'll get not only more studios, but maybe some of these are going to actually jump off into a spinoff of their own, which who knows if they can actually by this prove themselves as like, man, this studio is just like set and let's give them some, let's get them some meat. Right. Let's, let's and if you will, and I like to, I like to imagine it from the perspective of the animation studio, because, you know, I mean, a lot, all of us have heard of trigger. I've never done any real research on studio Colorado. But to be perfectly no. <laughs> honest, I kind of liked the cut, the the some of the the animation that they did, the color they did. They did a really good job on some of the environments, uh, the background art uh, in the early parts of yeah. episode two. Yeah. Here, I think they really nailed. And the ship design was pretty cool. Um, even like even down to like the design of the instruments, of uh, his lightsaber design was pretty cool looking. And I know they had to animate. Is seen from. Well, I mean, no wonder we're jumping ahead to this, but like they had to animate actual like episode one, you know, there in the Dune Sea, right there, Boonta Eve Podrace Classic, you know, and they're sitting there and they have to animate this almost shot for shot, and to a degree, um, even like you look in the in some of like the head coverings and or the um, like the shade lamp, um, cloths that they've got, and like some of the balloons in the sky are even positioned the same way. But anyway. Yeah, I lo- <laughs> we're sitting here praising the animation. Um, let me ask you this, Marna. Before we get into like kind of <clears throat> more one episode at a time and get into some good discussion here, let me let me ask you to kind of describe to a uh, virgin anime Star Wars nerd who's like, "What is anime? What is it about? I don't know how to under- I don't know how to appreciate this. Like, it's not what I'm expecting. I don't know what to take it as. And what are the rules of anime? Like, what are the things that I have to like?" break my out of my shell to appreciate and understand well the great thing about the medium of uh animation which uh you know i know star wars isn't you know completely removed from that there's you know the the clone wars and 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 rebels and uh and they've done some Mm other uh 2d uh things but i think the, the great thing about animation is that it lets you push past your suspension of disbelief that much further if I were to tell you that there's a live-action movie where a guy pulls out a laser sword that extends to be like ha- uh, like five and a half miles long <laughs> and cuts an Imperial destroyer in half while standing on the roof of said ship in space, you would say that sounds absurd. But when you watch that happen in Episode 3, spoiler, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Where can I watch more of it? And wouldn't you know, Studio Trigger has been doing that for a long time. They're all about over-the-top action set pieces. It's awesome. I love it. And there's no hard rules. The way that I think the animation of Rebels and Clone Wars, they really work within a, a set of, you know... I would say the hard magic system rules, right? Not a soft magic, and it—that's the force is kind of a soft magic system in some situations. They—they—it's almost like you can tell when they're going to treat it as that because they're like leaning towards 
oh, this is a chosen one thing episode, and you're going to get him some weird stuff. But a lot of the times, those shows are strictly like, these are the rules, and that's what you got to, that's what you got to look Yeah, and at. I think that's and, absolutely and that the wrong way to approach watching these, all yes. of these. Uh, and if yeah. you do that, I, I think you're going to come away going, well, that was stupid, because that's not believable, or that, you know. So you really have to extend your mind a little bit. Right. And once you do... And, and and also, as Jonathan has mentioned before, I mean, these are not canon. Um, and and I, I understand why. Uh, a lot of these, actually, you're not even sure when they take place, or they could take place anywhere. I think one of the only ones that actually takes place within the timeline we know for sure is the Tattooing Rhapsody. Um, since we've got Jabba alive, obviously. Right. And we've got, you know. Um, so anyway, I, I, I want to, I just want to go in it with that, with if you if you have that approach to it, I feel like you can come away with these a whole lot more appreciative of what it's actually going for. And um, so, I just said all that. Let's actually talk about the first episode um, and how we'll do this at kind of at the end, Marlon. We always we always uh, have a ranking out of ten. So mm-hmm. as we're as we're talking, I want you to think about what you would score each of these episodes out of ten. Okay, gotcha. Um, but the uh, the duel is, I, it is one of the most just absolutely praising of the original material. Like, if you were ever going to take something to give credit to, like, I think George Lucas's original vision for what like two Jedi were inspired to be, like it would be this. So much original Japanese culture, so much respect paid to that, and the amount of inspiration that obviously was pulled by like these Ronin and like these you know Kurosawa style movies and like the fighting that you get in the you know oh man it's just it was so amazing um so let's actually talk about some of the color palette stuff how did you take it at first did it did you adapt right away did right you- right so uh I mean from the opening shot you know Moonlit Valley small village the Ronin is coming into this you know, this little village, this is very much reminiscent of Kurosawa movies. And it's all, and it's all, and not to mention, you know, the film grain and the black and white color scheme. Uh, And the whole time I was like, hmm, I wonder how they're going to try to, you know, is this whole thing going to be, you know, in black and white? And kind of, the answer is, you know, the answer to that is kind of. But, you know, since, you know, you know, it's Kurosawa didn't really have much of a choice to, to use black and white. <laughs> right. It, it's more of a creative choice here, and it lets them, you know, really hammer home uh, themes with their colors. Uh, blue and green being good guys and red being bad guys. That's pretty, you know, standard fare for uh, for Star Wars. And after, uh, you know, you've, you've got the scene overlooking the town... Uh, and then we get into the town proper. You can see red and green, you know, little lights uh, speckled around these right, very old-looking yeah. buildings. So it's a very cool, very different juxtaposition of old Japanese, you know, architecture mixed with this sort of tech dystopian Star Wars look uh, that we're all pretty familiar with, I'm sure. Yeah, and... It was an interesting choice to make it so over the top, like Japanese, almost like 
they took Japanese and all they did was added more sci-fi stuff into it. You know, right, like right. It would be like more. Medieval, it would almost a medieval make, village it would, with just it would replace uh, some of the people with robots and or with droids. And, right. Part of me, you know, part of me was thinking if this takes place in the Star Wars universe, how is it that we've still got like you know, manual. <laughs> you know, dudes are out here living humble lives like they still live in the 15th century. Uh, and then guy just walks up with a laser sword. I, you know, it's, uh, but it's again, it's part of that they, suspension of, uh, of, of disbelief for sure. Although you we did saw some of those villages in like Mandalorian, you know, um, out there kind of just living off the land, you know, being kind right. of Right. I was going to say, there's a um, cool little, you know, it's not there for very long, but there's a scene in a rice field where there's a guy, you know, harvesting the rice. And then here comes a droid who's also harvesting the rice. And I was like, okay, so that would never happen in a, in a normal samurai setting. You know, it was just interesting <laughs> to see them, um, you know, take... It's it's literally like putting uh, Feudal Japan into the Star Wars universe. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's super cool. And while I asked myself that same question of, like, what planet is this on? You know, what, what village is this? That's not the important part. Right. Like right, what right. timeline is this? No, that's not the important part. For sure. The important part is they, they actually chose this storyline that is an anti-hero. An anti-hero in the Star Wars universe is something we don't get a whole lot of. Right. Like, I'm thinking there are some times when Asajj Ventress is an anti-hero. Um, and a lot of times she's even an anti-villain, I would say. Uh, but this guy, uh, Ronan, he's definitely an anti-hero in the terms of... He is not a Jedi. He wields a red lightsaber. In in fact, it seems like he's clearly some kind of like Sith hunter. Right. Well, uh, I, well, I had heard. Uh, you know, after I had rewatched uh, all this in preparation uh, for doing this podcast, uh, I had looked around at some other folks's. Uh, you know, the the way that they had uh, sort of read into all the all of the the story that's been being told uh, over these episodes, and a Ronin is a samurai without a master and i'm sure you're all familiar with the rule of two when it comes to sith and this particular guy's idea was that he may very well have been a sith uh, you know a sith who kills his who had killed his master hmm which usually promotes you to sith lord um but he had killed six or seven because he had all right. He had a collection of those things, which is oh, that, dude, like, that's badass. Like I don't care who you like, are. My guy has a trophy. Some just a yeah. <laughs> some general grievous like. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> coming after him. Another crystal for my collection. You know. Right. So that <laughs> that can happen soon. Um, but let's just. I mean, some. I love the design of everything. I love the design of the fact that all these troopers which i think they're bat bandits they're basically compiling together clone trooper armor parts stormtrooper armor parts like just armor yeah parts they all look like a bunch of patchwork it's clearly yeah. like these guys are clearly not your typical whoever is first order you know imperial stormtrooper they're clearly right. not uh connected with them very well otherwise you would think they would have a half decent supply line to get to these guys who are sewing together half of their armor and uh i will say it gave them a good excuse to make a stormtrooper helmet that looks like the uh, the old school samurai helm uh helms with the long uh whatever it is you call that that bit of the helmet that goes across and covers parts of the shoulder and the back of the neck and 
and all that. It's mm. it was such a cool look for sure. Yes, and not only that, but we get some awesome, uh, awesome other characters. The there's this little trope of the kid who uh, he stands up and like is going to defend his village. It looks like he's about to like ask a question, and then he's like, "No, fire!" <laughs> and uh, dude brings in. He's got a uh, trash Ondian. Uh, who is literally like with his jaw, like some kind of like metal piece on the bottom of his jaw, and then um, another droid who's basically like if three PO was like metal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, these two just like just obliterate and they take out all of everybody who's uh, except for of course the 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 bandit leader uh, Sith lady, and uh, that I love that character the. He was he was amazing. Um, he was so much fun. I'm talking about the. Um, I, we never got a name for him. Uh, he was probably like Fusk or something like that with a lot of S's in it. Um, but I thought that kid, that, that the kid and that whole scene, all that fighting. That I honestly, this could have been the best episode with in terms of fighting of all nine of them. And there's some really great fighting and stuff. But this one was this was really incredible. Talk about what were your opinions on the. Uh, lightsaber and the spinning effect and the whole levitate down thing yeah so so i mean we get the we get the scene you know the the um the reveal the the, the reveal of this this well this mystery person uh before we see the the red lightsaber uh but I mean, this is this is star wars it's called the duel we're expecting dude to pull out with the red lightsaber and there it is but it comes out of this insane-looking umbrella diffuser type situation, and it immediately yeah. it immediately makes me think of Setsuka from Soul Calibur. She it, it's uh, she's like yeah. a samurai. She's from a fighting game, but she's got like this hidden umbrella thing. She fights with an umbrella, and aside from one little tiny nitpick that I had uh, in part of the in in part of this uh, this episode it's probably one of the coolest ways I've seen to incorporate uh, lightsabers uh, she gets that thing spinning and I remember uh, the scene where she goes after I don't look I'm, I'm not gonna lie I don't know the names of the, the aliens uh, they didn't give or no no, no like the names. the names of the races <laughs> Oh, oh! Are you talking about the so? Well, the uh, well, she. Uh, so the first guy. This this was my nitpick. Uh, I, I believe it was the Trishondian. Is that what it, is that what you call it? Uh, it's kind of like that. I'm I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing lizard it man. Like, Jonathan usually corrects me on this. So, so anyways, lizard man pulls up with his two with his two swords. She flies down there, impales him with the umbrella. Not the not the not the part of the umbrella that's that's got the blade that's got the lightsaber blade sticking out of it, but the I think it's Trandoshian. Trandoshian. Trandoshian or Trandoshian. I, I I say these things wrong all the time, and Jonathan always is like, "Oh, it's this." I'm like, "Yeah, of course." That's the know. that's right. that's the guy. That's the lizard man, right? Yes, dude. Oh, he's freaking. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Cool. With so I'm gonna like... call him Lizard Man. So Lizard Man gets impaled <laughs> by this umbrella. <laughs> And the umbrella doesn't seem to be sharp, and he's not getting impaled with the lightsaber blade. That's a little odd to me, but dude, they he got like it was like impaled yeah, through. The no, no, no. So she, yeah, so she impales him through like the big part of the umbrella before it's been unfolded, and then she unfolds it 
to basically yeah. cut the guy into pizza slices. That was the coolest. It was, <laughs> it was brutal, that man. That was awesome. I was like, this, that's and they guy. Ne- and they, of course, doing? they never showed it because this is on Disney and we got to calm down with all that. But the guy yeah. gets shred. That is probably the coolest way I've seen somebody get executed with a lightsaber ever. Uh, and then yeah. she turns around, uh, and guy gets, uh, I think it was a droid, uh, who gets super pissed yeah. with a minigun, and she turns that thing, and she puts that thing in a cheese grater. Uh, it's awesome. I'll- we don't see that, but we do see him later, when, like, whatever was left of his torso, uh, Ronan actually, like, hurls it at her with the force. Yeah. Uh, did you, yeah. did you remember that? Yes, yes, I do remember <laughs> you, that. You, you get to see, like... You just see, like, his torso just thrown at her. Um, But, man, yeah, so the whole scene with the, uh, like, him walking up to her and the anticipation that creates, like, I was was feeling it. I was feeling it for sure. And at this point, we hadn't seen his lightsaber yet either. Yeah. And she says the line, you know, um, you know, like, you know, first of all, like, are you a, you know, you're a Jedi, you know, because he stops it with uh, Two to Menace, um, the Force ability where you can, you know, you can kind of almost touch a lightsaber without dying, yeah, <laughs> without being cut by it, using the Force to protect yourself. And so that's when she backs away. And at that moment, I'm like, I'm waiting for him to say, you know, yes, I am a Jedi. Yeah, and, and he pulls I'm out the blue lightsaber, t- and then we get the typical, typical you know, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And and you'll and notice then we total throw. Yeah, well, you'll notice in basically every scene before this, uh, in any frame where the stormtroopers are the the dominant figure, you know, you've got red lights in the background either on uh, her suit or on the big machine that they all come in on. It's all, there's always red lights in those frames, and it's the same situation with both the Ronin and these people that are in this village. So until he pulls out this lightsaber, you never actually see the Ronin and any red light in the same frame until you know he does that and it's a really nice right. um it's a it was a really nice bait and switch that they that they really committed to uh, and the reveal was really great the 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 scene where he pulls it out and the proportions just get stretched and it feels like that sword's going to yes. go on forever it's a great uh, I I love that that's why we love animation so much that's anime right there that's that's the coolness of anime is the unsheathing of a sword like whenever you talk about like anime that's that's something you get to have and uh yeah they nailed it the fact of like you know hey does this lightsaber not disengage does it never turn off like it would eat through the 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 the, you know the case right you know or i'm like shut up (laughs) (laughs) that is that is not the point (laughs) that is not the point um anyway so the duel itself just some really incredible stuff. You've got um, not only you know trading of lightsaber attacks and stuff, but like you've got them on top of this log fighting later on, and like the tension. Right. And I didn't. F- more troops come back. I out will say when basically- we see them cut off, uh, or when you see the Sith Lord. First of all, she reveals uh, her hair at some point oh, during the yeah. fight. I thought that was a really. I thought that it was a pretty good look, uh, mostly because it gives her a lot of. You know, an interesting uh, silhouette it gives her more screen presence. Um, yes. The more serious the fight gets, the less clothing that you have. That's, right. That's well, the more you see of her face, and it all, and it, yes. it does kind of serve to uh, make her a more interesting and engaging 
villain to deal with, in my opinion. That, that's uh, that's just me. I like. Oh, to he also slices her, her mask off after that. Kind of mask yeah. off, yeah. And them that's floating cool. around on that, uh, them floating around on that log made me think of the uh, the scene on Mustafar episode three. Yes, they're floating yes. down the lava. Obviously, they're not floating down on a river of lava, but <laughs> it's still it's still some of some of the some of the shots they did of them overlooking the log going down the. Uh, or the tree trunk, I should say, uh, floating down the river. You know, it, it was. It maybe maybe remind uh, reminded me of it. Uh, like I said, earliest Star Wars memories, Episode Three. So, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I agree. Yeah. The um, so we got to go back to the droid now. The uh, the droid at the beginning, his old it was some kind of you know similar to R two unit, but it's wearing this like straw hat. <laughs> the whole time it's almost like wait what does the droid need a straw hat shut up stop asking that question because it's cool <laughs> because it's the style man um <clears throat> anyway the droid gets kind of uh fried by a stray kind of bl- blaster bolt that you know happens in the city and he sets this pot down saying you know can you fix it by the time this pot boils? right and, and i was pair guys like yes i was I really thinking the one part i was like that this has to be a reference to something. Fix this before the pot boils, or something like I—I I, I don't know what it was, but I feel like this is probably that's probably a reference to another Kurosawa work. Yes, uh, it ha- yeah, that would make a lot more sense because obviously it's you know like how. How, how, I mean, do I have ten minutes to fix your droid? What are you saying? Like, yeah. can you fix it in five? No, before the pot boils, and then obviously you get the effect of even across the whole battlefield down like down the river throughout like a waterfall nearby him. He could still hear the pot boiling from like a half a mile away. Right. You know? Yeah, that's super badass. <laughs> he can hear the <laughs> he, he can hear the the whining of the tea or whatever, and so uh, that's when he knows. Now this is really cool because the droid. He's equipped for he's equipped for fighting, even though he's he's more of an R two style unit. The boy has got whistling birds from Mandalorian. Like as soon as he pops out of this thing, he just flies down the hill, and just like with I think probably twelve or a dozen or so just whistling birds takes out every single one of the remaining bandits except for uh, the Sith, and even she has one coming towards her and she has to block it with her saber. And uh, Whistling Birds, such an awesome little throwback there uh, to Mandalorian tech. Um, and I wasn't expecting that at all. But I know what they are now. And clearly, that's so even like an old Star Wars and a little bit of a new Star Wars uh, throw in there. Um, but let's talk about the climax. So you've got this whole waterfall thing. Um, up until this point, it's not really clear who's in the kind of lead or who's got, got the advantage between them. They seem pretty evenly matched. Um, right. If anything, the Sith would have had a bit of an advantage because our Ron- the Ronin had leverage. fallen into the water, uh, and we had, you know, we would presume that he had probably hit, you know, he would have, I mean, he hit the bottom. Obviously, he hit the bottom before uh, the Sith did. Um, maybe yeah. controlling his. Uh, she she kind of just jumps down yeah, where he, where he like fell, he fell down. So. Now, Jedi can fall for a really long time. <clears throat> Mace Windu still love. But if uh, <laughs> but if I know one thing from playing video games, and you know one thing from playing video games, there's always a rule about waterfalls. What is There's it? no fall damage in water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's true. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say. Check behind the waterfall because there's always there's something always something behind the waterfall. That is true. You <laughs> check Skyrim. Any any kind any kind of open world game where there's waterfalls, look behind it for sure. If you if you don't go behind the waterfall and if there's no like hidden treasure box, you you're like, wait, what happened? I feel I feel scammed. This is not right. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so behind this waterfall. That's basically where the Ronin goes, um, and the can obviously the the cool part is that he is able to deceive her, puts his lightsaber in the hand of this like statue, and uh, she she kind of stops the waterfall up with this log, which is really cool. So the water splits, and she can see in. She dashes forward to slice, slices the statue. She's like, "Oh crap! Oh no! He he got me!" And then pulls another right right and that's so from the first moment we saw him we can see he's carrying the you know the the two blades that all samurai you know are gonna are gonna have um i forget what they're uh there's a specific name for it i had actually uh written it down if i can Mm. find it if a daisho. That's it. So it's that. a yeah. So so all samurai samurai carry a daisho, which is basically translates to long short. So they have a long blade right. and they have a short blade. Uh, so I was. It's very similar to a, like Ahsoka with her long short, and they call it like a shoto. A shoto is the short blade. Yeah. So I was I was glad that they actually used that, and they didn't just yes. have it as like a stylistic choice. Uh, right. But I mean. We had already talked about how he's got a whole collection of saber crystals. He very well could have had like seven <laughs> lightsabers if he really wanted them. I guess. Yeah, I I definitely think there's going to be. Uh, I hope to see some cosplayers now with just full on, um, just katana style hilts with a lightsaber blade. I mean, because it, because that, it's cool. It doesn't so have to make sense. There. It's cool. That's no. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. That's why. <laughs> And you know, just put it right in your sheath, and it fits. You don't need the like, you know, hide the hide the blade or turn it off. No, that's what that's 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 what it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, gets her from behind, kills her. She's dead. He goes back to the village, and uh, <clears throat> that's when you get the kind of like kind of unexpected reaction. All the people are like, "Wait, what a second. Yeah, you like, got you a got red, red lightsaber light too. Yeah. <laughs> Red, red is bad. You're, you, are you a bad guy? And the hesitation, um, he destroys, of course, the saber, gives the crystal to him, and uh, says it's going to protect them. It'll ward off. He says it wards off, off evil. evil. Is that is that true? I'm not on. No, no. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know if that was like something that was actually in Star Wars lore or what the uh, the deal was with uh, with that. Um. Yeah, I think they just threw that in to to fit. It was because it was a nice way to tie things off, right? With, with him giving it to them as uh, the ending. Uh, but man, like I'm so I'm so invested in this Ronin character now, and even if it was only and you know, you're you're one, never going to get to know anything about him. You... Ronin probably isn't even no. his real name. No, <laughs> I mean, like sure, Ronin. You're so yeah. like, dude, this is awesome. Like, I want to see more about yeah. him, and you never will. No, well, no, Ronin. Ronin is a title too. So, like, it's not. Uh, that's pro- that. That's no, it's not certainly not his name. Yeah. So, anyway, I I absolutely loved the duel, and uh, I thought the studio did such a great job stylistically. It was very unique. It stands out 
for sure among among all of the episodes really for the for the color palette and what a what an interesting choice just to not have a blue or a green bladed you know Ronan fighting again you know right the, the implication is just awesome yeah yeah so super super great um, let's move on to uh, rating Tatooine raps do a rating and uh, or do we do that at the we'll, end we'll do our rating gotcha. at the end we'll do cool. our rating at the gotcha. end for all of them. Um, so the second episode, this was by Studio uh, Colori- Colorado, Colorado. Okay, I'm not going to try. I call it Colorado, Colorado, <laughs> even though it's spelled with an I. Yeah, uh, yeah basically it looks like that. But um, this episode is music heavy, which uh, if people do- listening don't know, uh, Marlon and I are both uh, musicians. A, um, of course, I play a little bit of everything. Uh, Marlon is a is a drummer, really really fantastic percussion player. Um, shout out to, uh, well, I guess to Southwind, any, any Southwind members out there, uh, marched in, when was it 2016? Uh, it was, uh, 15 and 17. 15 and 17. Okay. I didn't get to do 16. I had to raise money and work. <laughs> like a real man. Um, Broke. <laughs> <laughs> but this episode, uh, really music heavy and, uh, we get, we get, uh, of course we get Jabba. We get Boba Fett voiced by Tamura Morrison, which was really really cool. Right. So I had made I had made a note. I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't do any research on who all the voice actors were, but I noted the the VA for Boba Fett is really good. That's because it was Tamura Morrison. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he was he played Boba Fett, or he, well, he played yeah. Jango Fett. And so, I was like, man, this guy is good. And yeah, so that makes sense. <laughs> he's he's really good. He's so good that he was himself good. Um, that he was himself, yeah. Um, the thing about this episode is, it is, is one of those, like, you know, anime doesn't always focus heavy on the action. A lot of times it focuses on the little moments. And it focuses on, like, the just the small relationships. And, you know, finding a love of music in this world kind of just, you know, it puts aside even the life of a Jedi, the main character of this kind of, well, it's kind of the main character, the the little kid, um, what's his name? Uh, Jay. Hmm? I had to look for it. His name J- is Jay. Jay. So they don't say it. That so there's this scene where they're all, you know, they're. Uh, it's after we get the introduction of him as a Padawan. They're introduced introducing themselves at a gig. Uh, and he never actually gets to say his name, yeah. which is really unfortunate because I was like, okay, I'm going to try really hard to remember all these characters, and he never actually gets to say his name. They say it later. Um, but yeah, that was kind of annoying. Well, I mean, I'll just say that like this, this band was, was way better than the uh, Max Rebo band uh, in <clears throat> in the awful Star Wars uh, Return of the Jedi, you know, kind of extended scene that they put in there, you know. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I, I <laughs> Well, I will say, I mean, not only is this... One of my least I mean, favorite scenes. This, this is absolutely a, a music-heavy episode, but it's specifically a, a sort of pop J-rock, yeah. you know, heavy thing, which, you know, is obviously more prevalent in Japanese animation than in pretty much any form of Western media. Yes. Uh, but if you don't like J-Rock, 
you're not going to like this yeah. episode, I don't think. I think that will absolutely be a turnoff for most Star Wars fans, because not only is, uh, I mean, J-Rock does kind of become an, uh, an acquired taste the more anime you watch, but uh, I think one of the things that I liked about uh, Star Wars is that you get some alien music. You know, you how am I going to hear anything that sounds remotely close to the to the Tatooine Tavern song from episode 4 <laughs> you know like i don't even know how to describe it as anything but that well um, that was kind of a fusion jazz stuff when that came out with you know you got steel drum and, you know sax quartet um you know you had a few a few a little bit of odd odd sounds mixed together but but yeah no what you're saying is that 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 style of music strikes people as this doesn't fit in Star Wars, this feels off. And for that reason, a lot of people, right. uh, even people that I like, who you know, YouTube people who have been like, I hated this episode, you know. Well, yeah, I, I understand why. You know, it, you don't feel like that style maybe fits what you think of as the Star Wars universe, but I guarantee you the Star Wars universe is a lot bigger than the Earth's music universe. <laughs> to say that you don't know, like, that this music could, you know, even fit inside of it is not, that's not accurate at all. There's tons, tons more, you know, people and, and, and styles of music. Anyway, um, but let's talk about, um, so we got this, you know, the loose plot of it is that Geezer, who's also a hut, is refusing to join, like, Jabba the Hutt's clan. He's refusing right. to decide with him. Dude, he just wants to chill and probably just be a musician. Play music and tour and be the rock star that we all wish we could have been. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, Jabba's like, nah, you're, you know... You're a hut, and you are going to join with me, or else, you know, basically I'm going to execute you. And he's like, "No, yeah. bro, I'm gonna. I, I want to just." And he just it. leaves. So, yeah. Because of that, uh, although I will say it's pretty interesting to see what's basically Jabba with hair and a nose ring. <laughs> the eyes, yeah, <laughs> the hair and the eyes. It's it's so stylized that it's it's definitely one of those anime things. You're just like, you know. They they didn't do anything to Jabba, but he was cool, man. He was cool, like Geezer, even with the name Geezer. Like that's a pretty that's a pretty cool name. Um, the Boba Fett stuff is mainly Boba Fett shows up, and <clears throat> at that moment, I think Jay's lightsaber also like broke, so he couldn't even right. try and stop. So try and fight. Well, back. yeah. So so Boba Fett approaches them at the mm. venue, and then they you know they make their escape, and then. Boba obviously catches up to him because the way that ship looked. Uh, oh, he tracked. The there's ship. no way. There's yeah. there's no way you're getting away from Boba Fett. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, plus, they had like foreshadowed it in the in the previous scene with him standing on top of the roof. He he knows where you're going. Um, <laughs> they joked about how they never get to finish a gig and and whatnot. Yeah, <clears throat> but I did like the animation. That whole stuff was good. Even even though the style is what we would call, to, I think you would call this a chibi style. Where absolutely, so you've got bigger heads, smaller body proportions. It's not as just ridiculously over the top, right? Uh, chibi art style that you would expect from something like Clanad or, or something like that, or even like uh, Animal uh, Crossing, which is to a degree chibi, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean the, the heads are huge, body small, but. Um, yeah, for sure. I, it's that's not. I don't know how much. I don't even sure about Animal Crossing, but that's Japanese, right? 
Yeah, Nintendo. For sure. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're we're off topics, but <laughs> um, the the ship designs were cool, and of course, seeing the the slave one at, as it is properly named. Um, <clears throat> Just small jab there. Slave joint. Right, yeah. No, I noticed... I'm sorry. This is a bit off topic. I did notice that they wanted to rename that ship or whatever. They did. Officially, I think it that has seems really stu- That's That seems really odd and needlessly attention-seeking, but... Yeah. I think it's I, called I wasn't the... I fan of, of that. They're, they're trying to call it the Fire Spray now or something like that. Uh, I, yeah. I'm like... Come on, guys. I mean, we're <laughs> we're being offended over a ship of a guy who is a slaver. So, I mean, unless we're going to try and make... Okay. All right. Moving on. Sometimes I get on these right. topics. And <laughs> um, <clears throat> but when they get to actually perform their gig, uh, I was I was mentioning it before. Like, I actually looked at some of the shots, and um, they recreated this whole Boonta Eve scene with... You know the pod racing, obviously the audience. Yeah, so I remember exactly. that. As soon as we went to the racetrack, I thought that was sick. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, Beautiful animation. I think there were these. Uh, I think one guy called them like torture towers or something like that. That were from Geonosis. Um, the I don't know. Maybe I'm way Geonosians off. Geonosians or what they call. It, but um, you you had you had all of the typical Jabba henchmen there, ready to execute. This guy, um, user, right. and uh, <laughs> big audience for just for just an education execution. But that's when the guys show up. They do their gig. They're like, "Hey, you know, we came, and you know, if we can, this, you know, for your last thing, let's just do one more song." Jabba allows it, and uh, they even get the crowd into it, big and cheering. And they went over their hearts. They went over the minds. Everybody's cheering and singing along. Um, uh, right. That's and honestly, I think that does. I, I mean, it's a good. It doesn't necessarily make sense within the context of uh, if you you know again if you're observing this as you know part of Star Wars. No. But if you think about what you're trying to what what this this episode's trying to say is that these people live horrifically bleak lives, uh, and I mean, music is. Music is good. Music is fun. Music, you know, music makes things better. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I, I totally uh, agree. That's the great way to, to look at this. Music is what saves them. Music is the only thing that they have to appeal to Jabba with. And fortunately, right. one of the things we know about Jabba's character is that he doesn't enjoy him some good music. And so uh, not only the music being good, but the crowd loving them as well is enough to convince Jabba to uh, sign them on and I think it was it was Jay who like pulls that moment who's like this is your one chance to, to sign us first you know yeah he <laughs> says we're gonna be the biggest band in the galaxy so why don't you be our first sponsor uh, That's- and I don't actually think we get an answer from Jabba but he does give them an encore well, um, it, by not killing so them, it's Im- it's implied okay. yeah <laughs> it's 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 implied uh, one way to so, phrase the I mean, question we, <laughs> We can we can we can assume that it that it's that it's gonna happen and we all get a happy ending. Uh, I will say the other thing that will probably turn off people from this episode is that twist because when the first time I was watching this, I was like, "There is no way this kid's plan the entire time 
was to win over Jabba and risk getting his entire band executed <laughs> so that he could get a sponsorship. No, no. <laughs> no, like he's, there's, he's just there's risking no it way. He was only doing that to phrase it in the like. He's not even thinking. Oh, we could die. He's not even going to mention that. It's like, well, right. you could be our sponsor if you wanted. So <laughs> he's trying to phrase it in that in that opposite way so that he will, you know, in in hopes of maybe even even in denial. But uh, right. Anyway, so that's that's that episode. Tatooine Rhapsody, and the of course the Rhapsody maybe a Rhapsody in Blue reference or just a. Uh, Anyway, there's a you know even broke stuff because Jabba's uh, Jabba's music in in the original was uh, a lot of broke stuff. All right, let's move on to the twins and kind of kind of finish up with what I thought was a fantastic episode of and Studio Trigger as we've talked about before. Um, this one is the one that really there's so many just like constant throwbacks and like really in your face uh, just flat out right. parallels to OG original trilogy Star Wars um and and tons of stuff that are assumed and then of course like tons of dialogue that is just flat out like bad feeling about this and um what some of like the droids names is uh um I'm trying to think what the what the R2 you know, Arduo. Uh, Arduo. Arduo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the C3PO was B2 on. B2 <laughs> Like. Or B2 B2O N. It's one ep- one letter less than C3PO. It's B2O-N. <laughs> like, every letter is one less. Like, so we're really it's on the. crazy. Yeah, I mean. Wow. Yeah, I'm they, just now thinking about that. Did you just realize that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that that I mean that's how on the point they were about it, and that droid he was hilarious and he was so um, he was so uh, like over the top on the dark side and devoted to uh, the sister. Um. Right. I will say. I mean, the name of the episode is the twins, and they are absolutely hammering the hell out of that theme. The first opening shot, you've got. Two of these giant Star Destroyers that are fused together with this thing that I thought looked like a jet engine. And the first note that I wrote down on this episode is, I don't care, that ship is ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was basically like um, a giant, uh, if you remember, like the Cloud City, uh, like dual wing... Uh, you remember the, like the the yeah. I mean, I know what it's supposed. To, uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're. I know what you're talking about, and I know why they did that. They keep hammering home. You're gonna see this throughout the whole episode. Is this theme of twins? You've got what's basically two ships glued together. You've got twins that are that are keeping at the helm of this thing. Uh, you've got. I mean the the ending the ending they yeah. end on Tatooine with the twin yes, sons yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're making a callback <laughs> uh, you know he's like she's and he's like he's like ending he's like I should he's like I can feel it uh, she's my sister and I was like hmm Luke and Leia reference <laughs> but like that that yeah they just so they just go all they go all in on this theme of uh, of twins it's uh, but it's you a see it. it's, such it's a great. interesting like I, I wonder if the pitch was. Well, what if let's just say that Luke and Leia were like raised by Darth Vader to be just like him, and we even give them like mini Darth Vader outfits. Um, only one of them is like drawn to the light side, and the other one's drawn to the dark side, and they have to fight. 
good, good pitch. All right, let's go with it. Let's run with it. You know, <laughs> and that was that was basically the idea. Um, so, wow, I, I think the animation yeah. style was super fun, like really colorful. Um, some of the blurred lines that one of the things you see is a lot of times on the eyes they take greens and purples and they clash them. There's even times that they show you scenes that you're not sure if this is a flashback or a like one of those like secondary kind of diminishing type or like a second sense that only twins can communicate. There's one of those moments that you know what I'm talking about where yeah. where they have this like oh you foresaw this was going to happen and but they're fighting yeah so they're fighting over that kyber crystal which I guess now we've jumped forward a little. I know bit. we have. But we'll, when we'll, we'll jump around, but they're, when they're fighting over that kyber crystal and it breaks and uh, his twin sister. Uh, Oh gosh, what were the names? Kari is the is the boy. The um, yeah, I think Am is the girl's name. Am, Am. yeah, yeah. That's Star Wars always got some odd names. Not gonna lie. Um, but uh, but yeah. So Am finally sees this vision that it's implied that Kari has been seeing. Yeah, because she says something like, "How come you've been able to see it and not I?" Um. Because I knew you were stubborn and was... you wouldn't believe it, and you would you would argue with me, you wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. go along. Yeah, well, with which it. is exactly what ends up happening. Not even two minutes later. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> and that's the thing but too yeah. is like her her eyes are you, like Japan in in anime the eyes tell everything. So they go right. from the soft eyes to the hard eyes. Uh, you know it's over. You know <laughs> it's for like, sure. And that yeah. that that moment is is it looks really clear when that happens. But um the. Uh, we didn't really jump in to why Kare turned from the dark side. <clears throat> no, we, we just, dev, and I don't think we ever get that. No, properly. We don't. We don't uh, need well, I mean, to... the only thing the only thing that we really get is that he wants to seal the Kyber crystal to save his sister. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, you he would think he doesn't care if you're about the Republic. Yeah, he's he's, like, he doesn't carry the, the way. He's like, no, I couldn't care less about the Empire or the Republic. You know, I just want you to be good. I just want you to be safe. Uh, where are you? Right. Uh, she asked, like, where are you planning to take that crap of crystal to a galaxy far, far away? Far, far away. And then, yeah, so I wrote this in my notes. Uh, I wrote that line of dialogue down, and then I said, winks to the camera. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that's such an obvious callback. It's great. Well, the though. I love the it. moment for me that I was like, really, guys? Is when yeah, <laughs> no, I would say, watching this, say it out, I'd say, they say that in out loud as I'm watching it, say, I, oh my god. Yeah, I had so many really good, <laughs> for me, the moment was when he pops into a actual X-Wing, and you see, like, a TIE fighter beside it, but, like, dude, he, how does he have an X-Wing? X-Wing <laughs> on, the on Star a Star Destroyer, Destroyer? this he, makes zero he, sense. He literally just yeah. popped off his Darth <laughs> Vader suit, which I did learn that they took the the designs, a lot of the early designs that weren't used for Darth Vader's mask, and they took some of those oh, really? and they used the the designs for the outfit, uh, for some of the original the schematics and things that were never used, and they used them for this. So that that I found that really really cool. Always great that's, when you yeah can, that's pretty cool when you can take some of those originals and and kind of plug them in. And there was there was a ton of that. Of course, they didn't really need their outfits, and it was just basically inferred that there was kyber crystal power in them and uh, obviously they used the kyber crystal power uh or she did she did anyway and used it in her armor and kind of went out of control right. um 
but it, that is an interesting concept because we see, I think we've seen a few times where people have tried to infuse force powers into armor or at the very least like uh, force resistance into armor. And we really don't get a, too much of a glance into what they would look like, but um, we know copper crystals are, you know, very kind of mystical and connected to the force in stronger ways. So I, I get it, you know, it's not too far-fetched. Um, right. So, before we, I mean, we're probably going to talk about how great this episode is the entire time. I will bring up uh, one, one critique, or one critique that I could, you know, that I could come up with. Uh, And I honestly kind of had to actively search for it. This episode is so good. Um, But, in the beginning, uh, after we see Kare going into the chamber where the big kyber crystal is, mm-hmm. um, we see B2ON and Am just kind of like talking back and forth. And it's about a solid minute and a half of just exposition. And I know they want to set up, you know, that these guys are twins and they were raised in the force and they have a mission and they have this big weapon that's capable of blowing up planets and it uses the kyber crystal. I feel like I could have figured most of that out through the context of what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is one that's one problem that I think uh if you know if people watch the if people wa- who like Star Wars watch these and then they're like I want to get into anime, that's something that I think anime tends to suffer from mm-hmm. is exposition uh, because there are absolutely moments where something's like what just happened and then we call it uh, we we call <laughs> it the Brock moment because Brock from Pokemon's always explaining for about five <laughs> yeah. minutes what took 30 seconds to happen <laughs> and I and sometimes it's just like I don't really need sometimes you do need that and sometimes I could have figured that out through the context of what is going on, uh, I I also and I kind of want to I kind of want to give it a pass because this is only about fifteen minutes long. They don't have time to really set up everything uh, as much as they would probably like to. Um, yeah, and another thing that's kind of familiar, know. like, and I don't know if they flat on did this, but like the Vegeta moment in Dragon Ball Z, where yes, so where Vegeta yeah, has so, this like you have the black screen behind him. He's like, what? Kakarot is a super saiyan. And I never realized all these thoughts that'll just like pause time for a character to give their thoughts and like for yeah. you to take in the moment. Anime drags the moment out sometimes, and then other moments where they don't drag it out at all. But um, anyway, right. that. Well, there, there's, I mean, there's like, and it's not like, you know, people, I mean, a lot of the anime industry is fully aware of this, and there are people who have made anime specifically that make fun. <laughs> Of tropes like that, where a guy is doing something like powering up or explaining something that's going on, and then the guy he's fighting literally just punches him in the face. <laughs> he's like, don't just stand there and talk and power up. Do you really think I'm just going to stand there and let you charge your ultimate attack? Yeah. You have to... There, There is a website <laughs> called TV Tropes that uh, there's the section on anime is just jam-packed Massive. with anime tropes. It's yeah. huge. So much bigger than like western tropes and everything like western right. tropes there's a lot of them but like anime tropes that's where it's really at and there's a name for everything and you could go really deep into the rabbit hole at 3 a.m if you're if you're wanting to um so some of the cool stuff like uh i like the atsts appearing um i liked how right I would, the- well, yeah so i remember uh when they you know he's he's sneaking out uh he's in like the he's in the be- uh 
excuse me. He's in like the uh, he's the cargo bay or the shipping, the docking bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in he's in the cargo bay. He's in the place where they store all the ships, and he's trying to get out. And they turn on the, all the flashlights. Yes, classic and anime. And turn around, and there's this army yes. of dudes, <laughs> and they've got full blown ATSTs. And I wrote down, I was like, so you mean to tell me they just have ATSTs ready? Yeah. In the ship for if this happens. That's that was kind of that was kind of wild. This I was is like, the ep- like just this is the episode you have to suspend disbelief because there are anime moments where you're just yeah. Like, well, no, no, no. This is the point where I'm starting to accept the fact that like, all right, so this is just Trigger doing whatever they want. Yes. With things that look yes. like Star Wars. Yes, which is fine. Just which sit is back great. And enjoy it. <laughs> just enjoy. Like later on, the other Trigger episode is a whole lot more grounded. A, t- a whole lot more grounded. This one is yeah. this one is like it's over the top in every way, and they know that. They're very self aware. Yeah. Every, well, what's crazy? They just what's crazy is knowing show. that studio the guys behind Studio Trigger are responsible for Gurren Lagann. So they've done sci fi before. Yes. And if you've never watched Gurren Lagann, it is it's an answer to Gundam, whereas Gundam is like super grounded and political, and there's rules to this stuff. Yes, and and Gurren Lagann is like, I'm gonna make this robot <laughs> the size of a Another. galaxy. I'm gonna fight this guy who's shooting the Big Bang at me. Like, you, yeah, no, you like that knowing knowing that Studio Trigger is capable of going way more over the top than they did in this episode. Yeah, they are capable. Kind of puts it this into perspective being like, yeah, this is this is pretty standard <laughs> for 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 Trigger. Yeah. No, yeah. no, this is pretty normal. So, yeah, the mech suit, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's almost a parody on itself to a degree. And they know that. Um, but that's what they do. That's what they do. And 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 one right. thing I've seen from from some Star Wars fans is you don't have any contracts to interpret this and you're just like Every episode of anime is so so different, and like I don't know what's going on. Like I don't know how to how do I view this. Like, it is like, so if yeah, so if you're a Star Wars fan looking to get into anime, it's not like you just get into anime. This is the best anime there is. No, no, no. Like there's there's different subcategories of so anime. Many. Yes. Like like it's it's it's. You're gonna love it would, some of these visions. It would episodes. be and like putting like this one. Like, what is going right. on? Like, what? It would be like putting live action in its own category, as if dramas and comedies and romances and all that don't exist. <laughs> because there are dramas and comedies and romances and action shows and slice of life shows and and all sorts of different kinds of uh, yeah, we, of anime. What, what? Huh? And uh, I think this is honestly <laughs> a great uh, a great sort of. Sh- uh, uh, series where you could watch this all the way through and say I liked this episode and this episode and I didn't like this episode and that episode and I could tell you I'd be like okay then so let you me recommend watch this show and this, this show anime and that anime. exactly yeah exactly yeah for sure and instead of people like well I don't like anime because I didn't like that episode like no no <laughs> that means well, no, 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 you, no, means you don't like that this anime, anime because you, you love that yeah. episode yes um, right you may very well hate K on but you may very well love Gintama, because they're different shows. They're, they have different appeals. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like saying, it would be like saying if you don't like The Office, you're not going to like the Avengers movie. <laughs> they have nothing to do with each other, except that they use actors. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So, I, I really like it. Um, 
we get this we get this scene they they have the whole like almost Ray and Kylo parallel there with the pulling on the lightsaber and it breaks but they're pulling on the Kylo crystal and it breaks I think most of it goes yeah. to her she like puts it in her armor she starts going out of control with her power and that's when um you know they get the whole vision scene uh, he pops the other part that he has into his lightsaber, which I get it. He pops the you know this massive cryo crystal in his lightsaber, and so it's going to make his lightsaber like really stupid, super like duper, ridiculous, super awesome. duper strong. Yeah. Uh, of course, and uh, so he <laughs> forget that he's like out in space and he shouldn't be able to breathe. She could at first if she's like you know Darth Vader outfit or whatever. Well, when she was um, in her yeah winter, but in then her suit she loses her whatever, suit but, as well later. But she also loses it, yeah. Um, or, or at least part. Which of it. as soon as they broke her mask off, I was like, all right, they're going to try and humanize her in some way, shape, or form. And don't you know it? The next scene, yeah, is the the vision that they're that you know that they start. Which uh, uh, she was voiced sharing. by uh, Allison Brie, if you're familiar. <laughs> um, Allison Brie, I actually know her from uh, Community. And then uh, Neil Neil Patrick Harris was the voice of uh, of Kari. If you, I can't you, believe I missed that. Yeah, that was NPH, dude. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, great duel, cool stuff, lots of force powers, and then of course the obvious like Last Jedi. They made it cool with with the whole slicing the ship. Right. The- I remember, of course, you know, a lot of people didn't like the Last Jedi. I thought that particular scene. Was in the movie, visually, in the Last Jedi movie. I will, was very, I will give it to anybody I mean, it was who cool. wants to tell you. Like, it looked. I think looked the Last cool. Jedi is the visually one of the most breathtakingly beautiful Star Wars movies that I think it may be the absolute best as far as visual, <laughs> like just elements and everything. The contrast, you know, everything on crate, of course, the the ship, the you know, the Holdo maneuver, and they reference that with him slicing this Star Destroyer. In, it was her destroyer, so it was hers that was on the one side, and he just—he doesn't like slice the two in half. He slices that one in half, um, and then he he like gets away into hyperspace, and somehow like he he gets into hyperspace just at the moment to where the tip only slices her like mask, the last bit of the kyber crystal. He destroys the last bit of the kyber crystal as he's going into <laughs> hyperspace, like such an anime moment that that would happen. Right. So, uh. When that happens, you remember the the the, the lightsaber just gets massive, yeah, you know, big oh, enough yeah. to to cut this thing clean in half. Uh, there's there's a brief moment, and uh, that you know I've, you might miss this because at this point, Studio Trigger is going crazy. <laughs> Studio Trigger is, is is just dumping all of their budget into this, and <laughs> and um, but but when it first you see it like expand. You know, it gets really fat, and then it gets really tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you freeze frame when it gets really fat, you will see the full array of lightsaber colors. Oh yes, <clears throat> and I thought that I thought that was a nice little touch that people they're gonna miss unless you know you you're really paying it, looking for it. Hmm. Uh, but I thought I definitely thought that was a cool uh, little touch. Yeah, they uh, they of course they end it. You already mentioned he crashes on Tatooine. We're led to think it's Tatooine. You see, like a you know, well, it's got the dual suns. So, yeah, it's got so the dual yeah, suns. You've got it's a desert planet. You've got I think they even had like a uh, Jawa uh, thing in the background, um, and like Boutini. There's like a voice. It's almost like a direct quote. So um, right, <clears throat> which reminds me, did you actually notice this is back in the duel? There was a there was a Tuscan raider in the village at the duel. 
Do you remember seeing a Tuscan Ranger? Oh, yeah, and he and he did the little yes, the, like the cheer or whatever, yes. and the, yeah, I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty nice. All right. I thought that was a nice little, little right. callback. So this is only a third of the episodes. Next week we're going to talk about episodes four, five, and six um, with Jonathan and uh, dude Marlon. I have really enjoyed having you on. Let's rate these episodes and then wrap this thing up. So um, I'll actually go first. On this one, on the duel, I'm going to give it a flat 9 out of 10. For me, a really phenomenal episode. Uh, the Just everything about the art style worked for me. The character worked for me. It was so, like, paying homage to, like, you know, what George Lucas was inspired by creating the Jedi. And it definitely took a whole lot of Japanese stuff, as we talked about. But, like, it just worked on so many levels. Uh Nine out of ten for me. What about yourself? Absolutely, I think it. Uh, I would probably also have to say nine out of ten. Uh, it's it's got probably the most interesting uh, background art atmosphere. Uh, it's all great. It's a very simple story, so it doesn't suffer from uh, you know too much exposition or or, or convoluted. Uh, things going on. Uh, easily the best fight choreography. Obviously, we didn't see any in episode two. And even though you know, as over the top as uh, episode three uh, was, I wouldn't say it had great fight choreography. Probably had the best uh, fight fighting. You know, like artwork, um, or at least character animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as, I mean, gosh, the art style. Yeah was so good the use of colors is so good Mm. Uh, it's clear that uh, the guys who made this have a ton of respect for not just Star Wars but Kurosawa Mm -hmm. and all just just it's it's so good this absolutely feels more (laughs) like a this absolutely feels more like a love letter to to everything that they're doing yeah Uh, and so much respect to the guys who made this at um Forgive me, forget, forgetting, or the pronunciation of the studio. Kamikaze Doga? Doga? Yes. Yeah. But, Doga. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on. So what would you rate uh, Tatooine Rhapsody? Right. So uh, I didn't get to touch on this much while we were talking about it, but I think it absolutely has some of the best, um, uh, some of the, some of the best uh, background art. It absolutely nails the look of... Star Wars, in my opinion, you look at, uh, especially mm-hmm. uh, when they're both in the ship and in the beginning when uh, the Padawan, I've already Jay, sorry, Jay, uh, yeah. when Jay, when Jay is running away from, we're assuming Order sixty six, um, the the that whatever that industrial area looks like he's in looks really like grimy and there's like cables mm-hmm. and, and and you can take one look at that and be like. That Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I re- and I and I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was really nice. Uh, I've lo- I've watched a lot of anime, so I like J Rock. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you know, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. So I'm probably gonna bump uh, I, that. That's gonna that that's absolutely going to be a determining factor for anyone who watches this. Exactly. I like J Rock. Seven out of ten for me. Really? Overall. Okay. Well, I um, <clears throat> I, I think that's the qualifier that you have to tell people. Um, I've seen people. Look- you know, that are just like this is stupid. If you don't They're like, if you like don't zero like, out of ten for me. That if was... you don't like J Rock, I could easily see someone saying like four out of ten. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And be honest, I think, uh, and I usually rate things lower than Jonathan. 
I'll just be honest on here. Um, I think I was honestly I was leaning seven out of ten. I was going to say that before he said that, so I'll just say the same thing. It's it's not any attention that we're rating them the same thing. That's weird that we do that. Me and Jonathan never agree on anything almost, and he's always going <laughs> to do some decimal, and he's going to be like, "Well, that'll be different." But yeah, he's probably listening. To I thought about on. using decimals. I, I didn't know if that was legal. <laughs> <laughs> Is that legal? I will make it legal. Oh, God. Um. So. Uh, on to the duel, real quick to finish off. My ranking for the duel, I'm going to say you have to, the, the uh, if you, like like the qualifier for the previous episode was you kind of, the J-pop stuff. Um, but this qualifier would be, you have to understand that it is self-aware, way over the top, uh, OG, especially A New Hope, just flat out fan service. Eight and a half out of ten for me. The, yeah, I would say around. I would have to twins. say around an for eight. The twins. Uh, yeah, for the twins. The twins. Uh, I would have to say an eight. Uh, about an eight out of ten for me uh, as well. I don't think the fight choreography was good as good as episode one, but I mean, you sub that in for the fact that they're doing all these over the top things. You've got the set pieces. The uh, the character animation is far and away just absolutely incredible. Uh, I, when I first saw, when I saw some of the first opening, uh, scenes of episode three, I was thinking episode two might, uh, actually have, you know, better artwork and better animation, but I think Studio Trigger is more or less known for having less details so that they can put more energy behind, uh, pretty much everything. And so when, I mean, when you see episode two, some of those, um, some of those backgrounds look like they're oil paintings, but you can't do that if you're trying to animate an entire ship getting split into thousands of pieces, which is exactly <laughs> yes. what Trigger is doing, which is why it looks like a flat shed of gray sometimes. Mm. Um, they but at the same time, they also use colors really well. When you're looking at the, the, the duel, or the, yes. the tug of war between that kyber crystal... Yeah. Uh man, the the colors coming off of that thing before it breaks, and that whole sequence with the force lightning, uh, that's that's some absolute yeah. eye candy. You're not gonna have clear lines in this. You're not gonna. I mean, you're you're not gonna have just that polished brush look. You're you're not gonna have the detailed and what you got here. Even on like the Star Destroyer, when you see some of the shots, um, it was it was a pretty good outline of a star destroyer and some shape detail but you know that's what that's what it was and you appreciate that i thought it was just such a great stylized anime episode like it just got right. so many so many for me memories well, trigger, of like trigger had like their fingerprints stuff and like trigger had their fingerprints all over this with mm-hmm. their character designs and the way that they were doing the animation and even their influences a lot of trigger's influences and their older sci-fi like early 90s and stuff anime kind of elements on there even like some of it was a little cowboy bebopish for me but um yeah well when you think of the i mean when i think of the name of this series star wars visions i absolutely think this would be studios triggers vision of what <laughs> star wars would be if they had full control over the universe yeah uh, because everything they work on looks like this. That's what's crazy about Studio Trigger is basically everything they touch is gold. I don't think I've ever seen anything that that animation-wise mm-hmm. qualify it with that. Every everything that I've seen them uh, animate is stunning. And even if and it's I not can't like, think of a if it's not like your favorite anime style to just watch a ton of, it's yeah. it's still 
especially in a dose like this, it's really, really incredible. So you, I, you gave that an eight. So I actually gave that eight and a half. But um, anyway, let's actually let's wrap things up. I want to just thank you for being on the podcast so much, dude. I had a great time and uh, really, really excited to have you back sometime. Um, maybe to talk some video game stuff, which we do quite a bit of. We have done we have done Battlefront two and Fallen Order discussions and reviews like that. Um, <clears throat> but obviously, in the future, it's possible we games. might we might go back and, and especially as Kotor stuff is coming back out. Oh yeah, we can be... talk about the remake for Kotor, oh, man, and we can listen. talk about the, uh, the what is it? They're they're coming out with a uh, sequel, hopefully, right? Have they announced that they're coming out with a sequel to Fallen Order? Oh, they have definitely. Um, I think it's still a year and a half away to two years, somewhere in that range. But that's all the EA Star Wars is working on right now, really. Yeah, EA. That's such a. It was such a hidden gem. Oh, oh man, gosh, Fallen was Order was. Game brilliant and and i i wish we could have had you on for that episode we we actually had uh trent on and and i think james as well played it but um man i it makes me just talking about it i still want to go back to it i wish that there was some dlc for that game or something but i know that more is coming and i know that's all the ea is working on and i know the ea is probably a little bit upset that aspire got the ticket for kotor um but EA just focus on Fallen Order 2 and we'll all be happy and you'll make tons of money anyway so anyway um, like we said uh, thanks for listening to the podcast everybody if you would don't mind just go over to Facebook and give us a 5 star review uh, we'd appreciate it um, as always you can find us on Simplecast uh, Stitcher Apple Podcast Google Podcast uh, iHeartRadio we're in, recently on we're on Odyssey listennotes.com Podbay and of course I already mentioned Facebook our main home is on Simplecast where you can easily find us um, Jonathan has, enough, has his own stuff on, on YouTube go over there and support him on his new channel he, do, he does book reviews over there um, and uh, for, for really for myself just thanks for listening um, until next time I am Nathan aka MP Bro and Marlon I'm just a guy <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to us on this episode